and to be honest, I probably wasn't in the mood for for chatting anyone. Anyone I did pass on that day probably got uh, a very short hello and not much else. Headphones in, world out. Um, other than some of the moorland where I kind of like to just listen to the the crunching of wheels and and the wind and the birds. And um, listen to more stories. Stay tuned Tom? for more stories Tim? tomorrow. Stay tuned for more stories tomorrow. To hear more, as my good friend Liam Yates likes to say, stories by us. More stories tomorrow. So the format of this podcast is going to be a little bit different to what I've done before and what we've done before. Uh, there's no diaries from the road. I was far too tired for any of that. So... I'm just going to talk uh, at the microphone until I've run out of things to say. And I also recorded a couple of voice notes on the road. So I'll drop those in as and when. So if it goes quiet for a little second and then there's some kind of random monologue that sounds a bit windy and makes no sense in the context of my monologue sat at home, that's what they are. They're the little field recordings. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get a flavour of the Dales Divide, why I did it, and what I think about it. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the More Stories Tomorrow podcast. This one is going to be about the Dales Divide. I'm just back from Yorkshire this morning, and I thought I'd take time to get this recorded whilst everything's still fresh in my mind. And before the uh, long weekend finishes and life returns to normal and there's no time to do anything. So the Dales Divide. I've, I saw this last year actually. I was on a mountain bike ride back at my parents for the Easter weekend. Um, and I turned up at a cafe. I think I saw one of my friends was doing it. I turned up at a cafe and all these cyclists were coming through. Uh, and from then I was like, I, I mean, by the time I'd heard about the Dales Divide, it was probably like the week before or something. So kind of way too late to enter. But kind of there and then made the mental note that I'm going to do the Dales Divide. And I saw entries open last year, uh, you know, the end of last year, I think it's probably December 2022 at some point, and I kind of entered on the spot, and I was like, right, 2023, Dales Divide. So what is the Dales Divide? Uh, it is, for those who don't know, a 600 kilometre, or just short of 400 mile, mountain bike race, um, well, maybe it's gravel, maybe it's mountain bike, off-road race, uh, that starts in Arnside, which is, is just south of the Lake District. And then it kind of cuts across the country to the other coast, Scarborough, and then goes back again. So a coast to coast to coast, off-road, across the Yorkshire Dales. The organiser, Chris, uh, rode it with us, um, and I think he set, that, set up the race in 2018 after doing the Tour Divide, kind of a big American 3000k ultra race himself and wants to do something smaller in the UK and it's got really popular in the last few years. It seems to have doubled in size pretty much every year. I think 
it's become a bit of a staple as well. The, the time of year it falls at Easter means you, you don't need to take any time off work, even if you're not going to be at the front of the race and you're going to be a, 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 you know, a little bit slower. No time off work needed. And it comes at the perfect time of year ahead of kind of the big summer races, whether that's the Highland Trail 550 or um, international mountain biking races throughout the summer. So it kind of works on on a load of different levels. For me, uh, yeah, for me, the reason I was there was, was just because of that mountain bike ride and seeing this race in my back garden, essentially, I was like, that's amazing. Like this ultra race that a lot of people are doing and is, is quite popular is, you know, the start of it in Arnside by the Lake District is is where I grew up, or not where I grew up, where I rode my bike at university and did a lot of my riding, especially on the road. Through those years, kind of 18 to, to 21 or so. And then as it traverses eastward, and also on the way back, you know, as it's going westward, it goes through where I grew up mountain biking from kind of the age of 12 or 13. And then there's this race that cuts across it. And I was like, for the first time I've seen an ultra race, it's kind of on my home terrain. So that's kind of why I wanted to do it. And I think I probably covered this in the Rwanda Q&A podcast. Most of the ultra races I'm doing I'm there, you know, I don't, I don't think this is the podcast to go into why I cycle and what I get out of cycling, but if I'm in a country like Rwanda or, to be honest, anywhere I've not seen before, I kind of want to see it all. I want to explore it and I want to enjoy it, most importantly. Um, I'm definitely a, a type one type of fun person. I don't, when I kind of chat to the other ultra racers and people doing these events, I definitely recognised I just don't have the same switch or the same motivations as them which uh, I think is why I ride the events quite differently to, to some or certainly those at the front of the race but this on paper kind of the wanting to see everything didn't really apply in the same way anymore I, I knew these trails they're kind of, it's kind of my home it's my stomping ground and I've either ridden the trails before, or I've ridden very close, I've certainly seen the hills around. So for me this felt like the perfect ultra going into it, where I could actually just do it in one, or push myself to breaking point, ride as hard as I possibly can. Because, you know, that excuse of uh, wanting to see everything and enjoy it and kind of take it in didn't apply in quite the same way so it's felt like the perfect opportunity to see if I could test myself and kind of just see what happens so that's kind of how I went went going into it different from how I normally approach these ultra things because I think even at my best I know I'm not going to be competitive and really be up there I don't have the right uh, training body or, or mind for for it but I still, I was in the mindset of giving it as much as I could and seeing, you know, where, where my breaking point was. So that's kind of what, how I went into the race. Uh, those of you that follow me on Instagram, which I suspect is most of you, if you've made it to this podcast, will know that's not quite how it played out, but we'll get there. 
So, day one, what happened? We have had a horrendously wet couple of weeks, or month, in all in the UK, but especially in Yorkshire. And this Easter weekend was the first weekend the sun had come out, so it was a bit of a chilly start, but not a cloud in the sky on Friday morning as 200 cyclists gathered around Arnside Pier, ready to set off for the Dales Divide. And kind of everyone was gathered on the pier, and then by eight o'clock, uh, riders started leaving, or just after eight, I think. I think we were a bit late starting, but riders started leaving. Um, I was maybe 15 minutes behind, or 10 or 15 minutes. I had an issue. Uh, the tracker I was given wasn't my tracker, and they didn't have a tracker for me, but that's uh, not a relevant story, but meant that I was basically caught at the start line and started a bit late, so I kind of rolled out with, with some of the back markers and um, through over onside not it was super hectic people everywhere but not in a um, kind of a standard race where there was like elbows and everything it was just kind of plodding along and making our way through the first few lanes um, and yeah it used to be my little 20 30k recovery ride from from university up to this town onside where it started so it was quite surreal going back through there a on a mountain bike b bike packing and c with 200 other people most of whom i didn't know um and a lot of them who probably uh weren't weren't local so yeah it was it was quite surreal um it's also been a long time since i've ridden in Arnside and around there before long though kind of started to settle into a bit of a rhythm and one of the advantages starting a bit further back is you get to kind of scoop people up throughout the whole day. So kind of overtaking people and um, kind of means you get to see a lot more people and say hello to a lot more people. And eventually I caught up with my uh, friends Molly and Will. Molly, a veteran of the podcast. Um, and then spent a good chunk of pretty much the whole first day with... Molly and Will kind of yo-yoing on the climbs or the descents or you get caught at a gate or you might stop for you know a couple of minutes and you know always within within a kilometer or two of each other and again this is through terrain that I knew really well uh, snaking over the high moorland around Ingleton um, place called Ostwick that where the and Ostwick was the place where I actually saw saw the race last year just serendipitously whilst out on a mountain bike ride and then over to Malantan, very very close to where I, I grew up um, and it was at that point I saw a friend from nearby as well who at, that, at the time I was a little bit tired probably pushing a bit too hard to be honest but kind of a bit a bit down and out about starting so far back not having a tracker so I felt like I was kind of not in the race anyway albeit you know it's not it, I'm sure it would have been fine um, but they said to me you know you're maybe the I think 15th cyclist through here or something like that and I remember kind of pausing and being like oh really interesting I didn't realise there was so few riders ahead in my head I'm thinking you know 50th 60th there was 200 people ahead and I'm not overtaking that many 
and then there's kind of like an instant switch almost because at the start of these things you're so fresh you're riding a bit hard you're probably not eating enough not drinking enough so feeling a bit tired probably you know seven hours in by this point something like that maybe about six hours and then instantly a kind of switch fire and I was like oh like let's crack on like I, I didn't expect to be so kind of competitive uh, despite that you know I said before I'd kind of was planning to ride it in one um, and I'd packed as such as well my intentions were either I'm doing this in one or I'm staying in a hotel there's no kind of backup strategy there's no uh, halfway house I'm either having fun completely or I'm racing with, with no in between so I had very little kit on my bike um, albeit you know enough to ride through the nights so it was getting down to sort of one or around freezing but I mean, I had a down jacket, a rain jacket, a foil blanket, so a relatively heavy setup for a for a nothing setup. Um, but that was my yeah, that was my mindset going in. So, you know, I mean, the fact that within six hours of starting, I was already not committed to the idea of doing it in one. Probably, it gives you a good indication of where this story's going. You know, um, I don't know anyone who's capable and, and regularly does these things, who has that mindset, they're kind of almost the other way around. They'll tell themselves they're not going to take it seriously and then they'll inevitably take it seriously and be very competitive once it starts. I'm almost the other way, where I like the idea of being competitive, but in the moment, kind of switch off and, and start questioning why I'm pushing myself when I could just have a look around and, and enjoy the view. Anyway, so let's pick... That was a... Uh, a side, an aside, a segue, well not a segue, it was just an aside. Let's look back to where we were, so just left my friend at the top of Malantan who was sat dot watching, unexpectedly in a, a much better place in the race than where I thought it would be, because it hadn't been riding especially hard, um, but I mean these things you never do because it's so long. It was probably about an hour later, kind of Along, along the tops of Malham again my kind of after school mountain bike ride we're on these trails now so feeling very much at home and, and really actually really enjoying it um, sunshine sunshine helped as well and descended off off uh, the top of Malham down to where my mum was waiting um, again local um, so she came out to, to wave and say hello uh, with the dog and again, at this point, she counted me and she thought, you know, maybe there's maybe 10, 11, 12 people ahead of you. And I just kind of couldn't believe it at this point, being taking it super steady and feeling nice and riding like within myself, despite uh, a couple of a couple of saddle sores. But um, maybe I'll loop back to that. So I couldn't believe it. And again, felt kind of buoyed and um, really unexpected to, to kind of be there at what was what felt like a you know this is a really sustainable pace something that I should be able to hold although if it feels sustainable it, it probably isn't it should probably feel too easy anyway after my kind of five or ten minutes um, sat chatting to my mum you know she'd come out to watch so didn't didn't rush straight off uh, on the next climb I caught back up with Molly and a couple of the other riders who were nearby and. Again, more moorland over... I mean, it was kind of moorland for the rest of the day. 
over the tops um, to Bolton Abbey and then on to Harrogate and then eventually on to York. It's very much within my comfort zone. All the stuff I'm used to riding that more like peat bog and high moorland. Um, I absolutely love it and was really, really enjoying it despite, you know, starting to feel the efforts of the day now kind of knocking on for 10, 11 hours in the saddle and no stops all day beyond dashing for water at an outside tap um, or something like that. And then as kind of snaking through these lanes, um, dropping, you know, going, getting through the North Yorkshire hills and then dropping down into the valley onto the flatlands before York, it's probably about 8pm at this time, so about two hours away from York. And it's at this point I start having the conversation with myself and thinking, okay, so York's a big city uh, and the biggest for quite a long way around. And heading eastwards, it becomes significantly less kind of picturesque and um, touristy in that it's a lot of it's just a lot of farmland. So it meant that sort of after York, you were committed for at least another four or five hours to the next town, which was quite small, a place called Driffield. And with no sleeping stuff, that essentially, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I was relatively well packed for for, an, for a carrying nothing setup. I would have survived and I wouldn't have got hypothermia, but I would have had a thoroughly miserable time if I'd had to stop and just kind of shiver my way through the night. So I was basically at York because there was no hotels nearby on the road after York, I either stopped in York for the night or I was committing, pretty much committing, to riding all through the night, which made quite a big decision. And actually, I thought I was, I'd made a good tactical decision because, you know, I had enough warm clothes to be safe, but I wasn't carrying anything extra. It was meant to be a lightweight setup, which over those hills and over that terrain really, really helps. It makes it far more enjoyable. But Molly, who I was with, kind of had a really lightweight sleeping setup, and actually she was in a position where she could just carry on at 10 p.m., knowing that you know it got to 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and she was really tired or really cold. She could kind of just get in a sleep system, hunker down for the night, and then kind of sleep it out for two or three hours and get back on the bike in the morning. I sort of didn't have that luxury. It was ride through or stay in York. Because um, even though Driffield was a few hours away, there was no kind of 24-hour check-in hotels. And kind of riding along, it's getting cold, wet feet from all the bogs, obviously. And it's really, the temperature's rapidly dropping. We're probably at between three and five degrees now after, after sweating it out all day. And again, this is the point, probably coming back to it before, where... Uh, for want of a better word, basically just cracks. Not that it was, uh, not that it was kind of like I, I'd hit my limits, my physical or mental limits and cracks, but just that that question of of why would I ride through the night when I don't need to. Um, the fact of hovering in tenth really did kind of help, but on the other hand, had some pretty pretty intense saddle pain. I've got this super light, silly carbon saddle on my mountain bike, which is great for four out four or five hour rides, or even the 12, 13 hour days we were doing in Mallorca. But I mean, a lot of that was walking. Um, so I thought it was grand, and I'm obviously just sitting on a saddle for that length of time. 
but I haven't sat on that carbon saddle for that length of time and it was yeah it it will need changing for future events um something with a cutout certainly so kind of got this niggling this irritant level of of saddle soreness where it was just a little bit annoying combined with this um for want of a better way of describing it lack of determination to to kind of push through the night and and really crack on meant that yeah at, at, at york i uh i cracked and i got a hotel so at that point you know i was i was writing myself off from any kind of I mean, I was never really in the race, you know, being being that far back, and I I, I wouldn't have ridden myself into the race, I don't think. Um, but at that point, getting the hotel, then it's then it's it's over, um, because as well as not being in the race, like I said, wouldn't have really been in it anyway. I'm then no longer going as fast as I can, which you know is, is an equal achievement in itself, you know find your own limits, seeing how fast you can go and, and all that I think is, in my head at least, equally valid and equally important. But even that's over because I know I, I would have been able to push through. So um, at this point, it's almost instantly switched to a holiday. Um, I mean, I, I say that, I kind of, at 10 p.m. I pulled over in York, I was in bed by 11 and then the alarm was set for half three, four in the morning. So it's a, a bit of a, an odd holiday but I was getting more than two or three hours which is what what some of the other riders would have done this is gonna have to be a quick one I'm pretty tired um, it's 11 p.m. in a travel lodge in York about 210 215 K's into the Dales Divide um, and I decided to call it a night here. I just thought I'd leave a little voice note my, for myself to uh, capture how I'm feeling at the moment. Um, it's been a day. It's absolutely stunning riding. Stunning riding, but and really nice weather. But super cold as soon as the sun went in. So um, did a few hours in the dark and then decided to call it there because I uh, optimistically took no sleeping kit a whole bunch of people are going to come flying past in the night but that's okay we're just out here having a nice time maybe I'll record something in the morning but yeah what a day yeah what a day good morning it's about half past five. Inevitably, the uh, the bed was quite hard to get out of, and I'm probably running a couple of hours behind where I'd like to have been. But uh, just about ready to go now. And then, looking at the map, hopefully it'll be a, a gentle start to the morning, and followed by some. Uh, savagery over the North York Moors later today. Uh, if anything, if yesterday's anything to go by, I don't think I'll do any voice notes on the road, but no doubt I will end up indoors tonight as well. Uh, and if I don't, something's gone terribly wrong. I suspect I've lost quite a lot of places overnight 
are due to my little travel lodge stop. So today's all just about enjoying myself and uh, taking a look around some of the riding that I've not done before. Yesterday was kind of a lot of the home trails, which was really nice. Uh, but it did make me you know is kind of in autopilot mode a little bit more. Um, whereas today it's going to be about taking in those new views and making sure I don't miss any of it. Yeah, so I had that sleep in, in Travel Lodge, um, which was much needed. And I woke up a little groggy, but you know, actually feeling pretty good. And then and then hopped back on the bike with with now dry shoes. Uh, it's probably four or five in the morning. Um, and tapped out that long flat section from York up to Scarborough, which was absolutely soul crushing. I think having done that in the morning, a couple of hours in the dark, and then a few hours in the early morning, I think that would have that would have broken me if I'd have done it the previous night. I think I would have just thoroughly enjoyed it. Thankfully, I had my podcast in, just bopping away and kind of making it through. Um, I mean, in the morning, fully recharged, fully fed. It, it was actually pretty manageable. Uh, but as a section of riding, whilst actually objective was probably pretty nice, but there was a lot of flat roads and farm fields and mud tracks and, and just very, very slow and um, not that kind of moorland, rugged terrain with the big, expansive views that I'm used to um, and that I really feel at home in. So we went to Scarborough for sort of lunchtime and starting to feel pretty tired at this point. I think maybe the saddle sores were back. I think the, the pair of shorts I was wearing was kind of nipping at my hip and uh, actually caused a scab in the end, which was, was unusual. Um, but yeah, in that headspace where I was like, oh, right, let's just get this over with. Um, and then out of Scarborough, there's this 2% old railroad so it, it looks flat it feels flat you just feel really slow on it because it's actually two percent uphill again more kind of mind-numbing soul-destroying um riding that despite the weather being great and having no reason to stop i was really just like what am i doing why am i doing this so i can't imagine how it would have been if i'd ridden through the night i would have been in all kinds of trouble I suspect I certainly wouldn't have been having fun but as with as with all these both periods as you're riding and the terrain itself it ends it changes and as soon as you're back into the, the North York Moors which objectively way harder terrain hillier tougher off road um, and just much much slower I started enjoying it again I'm like back in these big expansive views just turning the pedals not thinking about not kind of clock watching the distance and thinking oh god the kilometers are going by so slowly i'm just out pedaling got my podcast in and just kind of soaking it all in soaking it up and started really enjoying it again focusing on the next towns and kind of where the next resupply is coming and how far it might be to a hotel because again at this point i'm like okay we're sleeping inside now. I'm not going to push through at the end of day two. I'm not going to... I guess I had two options after taking that, that first hotel. I could have ridden through all the way through the next night, I could have, or I could have attempted to. And then I would have likely finished, you know, sometime around 
you know, five, six, seven a.m. on the Sunday morning, have ridden all through the night, or I could sleep again in a hotel and then ride all through the next day and do the final section back on my home terrain, kind of in the in the North Yorkshire Dales, in the daylight. And to my mind, I was kind of you know I'd, I'd already cracked, so if I'm going to ride all this this route and finish it off why would I um, why would I choose to ride all that at night when I could just sleep inside get warm get comfortable and then ride it all on the next day instead I do, I do the same riding and you know like I said before the race has gone the kind of personal challenge and pushing myself to my absolute limit has gone so there's just no need. So that was my decision. The um, that was that was so so that was my decision. I would stop on the Saturday night, have a slightly longer sleep actually, because I did two two hundred thirty kilometer days back to back. Um, the second day being two hundred thirty kilometers, just because that's where the hotel was. The first hotel after Scarborough, which was only a hundred k in. The next one was at 230k and so that's where I was stopping. That actually left me with a fairly short day for day three at 160k or something like that. So the, the only point where, to be honest, I found it a bit more difficult than I was expecting is is the town I was had this hotel in was Osmothley, something like that. Um, and I'd booked a hotel and it said the final check-in was 8pm. Was I'd been doing the calculations in my head all day. Earlier in the day, it was looking like I might not get there till 10, but once I was a couple of hours out, I was like looking at the terrain profile and it was it was basically downhill the whole way there, save for, for a couple of bumps. And it was looking like I should get there maybe six or 6 p.m., 7 p.m. I should have had loads of time. Nearer six, I think my calculations were. And they're actually relatively close at this point as well, maybe no more than sort of 20 or 30K away. So in my head, I was thinking there's not that much scope for it to take, you know, even if it's a really slow 20, 30 kilometers, can't take that long. How wrong I was. It was one of the slowest sections, um, came from this pub called the Lion, maybe, that sits right on top of the hill. Uh, use their outdoor tap to, to fill up on the water. And in my head, I'm like, right, this is the home straight. We've got like a really, really, a, an absolutely beautiful, gentle climb. The sun's just kind of, it's starting to get towards golden hour. It's maybe 6 p.m. and 90 minutes before sunset. Absolutely beautiful climb along this kind of little terrace. And then it should have been downhill in my head the whole way there to, to this town. Um, and, well, first actually it started with the most amazing mountain bike descent. It was so rough and so fast which on a full suspension mountain bike was insane, but it would have been absolutely horrible for those people on gravel bikes. And actually, just to go on a, a side note, whilst we're here, I did the whole thing on a full suspension mountain bike, uh, my Vitus Rapide, and there were some people on gravel bikes and some people on hardtails and some people on fully rigid mountain bikes. Having done the route, my wrist is already, is is, is still in kind of, bits just from the impact I can't imagine doing that 
on anything less than a nice cross-country hard uh, full suspension bike. Well, I, I can imagine doing it on it, but I certainly wouldn't choose to. I mean, there is a lot of road and a lot of gravel, but I was certainly thankful for the extra comfort, you know, when you're doing 35 hours riding over, over a couple of days. Um, I would definitely take a, a full suspension mountain bike again. Um, albeit, you, you know, you can do it on any bike and you can still have fun, so the priority is always just riding what you've got. But back to where we were, best mountain bike descent ever. And what on the profile looks like, just like one final lump, you know, little lump compared to what we've done as well, down to the hotel, and just this wall appeared, an absolute wall, which was, you know, it was a walk, um, and not an especially short one. At which point I also twisted my knee and some, some tendon gave up that gave me pain all the next day. And and still whilst I'm sat here now. But from, not the point, from the, the wall, it was then just bog. Just single track bog that seemed to take forever. Um, and I was kind of rushing against this 8pm cutoff slowly ticking away and eating into that buffer kind of constantly doing the mental maths of like you know what average speed do I need to do to get there on time and it was just going back and back and back and then eight o'clock came and went and I actually think I recorded a voice note at the time which I'll I'll insert here as I was just kind of slowly realizing that because that section was so slow there was no way I, I was there was no way I was going to make this 8pm cutoff. Final update from the road. That last section into a town called Osmothy was way harder than I was expecting. Um, I was expecting, when I last checked in, I was expecting a nice easy 30k's to my hotel should have been easy I had like I think like over two hours anyway there's some amazing single track some insane single track descending a lot of fun but my wrists after this long on the mountain bike are uh, hurting quite a lot anyway my uh, hotel, hotel's last check-in is five minutes away and I'm still 2k out. It just turned to miles and miles of steep, steep bog. Um, like, a lot of walking, a lot of walking. So I've actually had to I will not complete the Dales Divide this year. Well, I'll be completing 597 of the 600k. I've actually had to take a detour on the road to get to get to my hotel in time. Uh, so I've paid in advance. That is taking priority over ticking the uh, official Dales Divide box. Um, although I can't say I'll be back in a hurry to come finish off those last three Ks and ride the other 597 for the privilege 
absolutely stunning sunset. As you can probably tell from the voice recording, a very windy climb I'm on. That's it for today. Good night. Eventually though, as heard in the voice note, a solution was found and I had a lovely stay in the hotel that night. I fell like straight asleep, out like a light. Huge day of riding, 13 hours or so, um, all by myself to that day as well. And to be honest, I probably wasn't in the mood for, for chatting anyone. Anyone I did pass on that day probably got uh, a very short hello and not much else. Headphones in, world out. Um, other than some of the moorland where I kind of like to just listen to the, the crunching of wheels and, and the wind and the birds. But I woke up, I mean, I'd set my alarm a little bit later for the, for the day after because, you know, like I said before, I've got this 160 kilometre day, which, you know, means it's quite relatively short compared to um, compared to the other two. And in my head, I'm like, actually, all I want to do is get back for sunset. I don't care if I finish at 2 p.m., 4 p.m., 6 p.m. It's just Sunday afternoon by this point. As long as I'm back in the light, and also there was rain forecasts for Sunday evening. So it's like, if I'm back before the rain, I'm back before the sun goes down, that's all that matters. That'll do me. So I set up a, set, woke up a little bit later, um, but waking up, I felt horrific. I actually woke up in the night with the pain in my knee where I twisted it, and also in my wrists. It just felt like someone had super glued my joints together, which... I've not had anything. I've not had quite that level of soreness before. I suspect anyone who's done an ultra probably has. Um, but it took a long time to get up. I like, had a couple of ibuprofens and let them kind of settle in before eating my breakfast, and that loosened me up just enough to get rolling. And the pain in my knee was horrific to start with, but I have had similar kind of tendony things like that before, and. My, the rule I said to myself is right. Give it, give it 10k, and if it doesn't ease off, then you know we'll reevaluate. Um, but of course, it did ease off. It was still very, very painful the whole day. But as soon as it was warm, it it became manageable. Um, so be careful getting out the saddle or anything like that. But it became manageable. And the rain came early as well. Actually, that morning was so damp and so wet going through Catterick and North Allerton. Uh, but I had the best podcast on, something called The Witness. It's a, um, don't know how to describe it. You can have a look for yourself. It's it's not quite true crime, but it's that sort of world. Um, had that podcast on and I just kind of cracked through there. And eventually you climb through a lot of the military training grounds just outside of Catterick, just west of Catterick. And then you climb up onto a shooting estate on on the moors in North Yorkshire. And then, the, well, the whole day kind of turned there. I can't remember what time it was, probably around lunchtime by this point, but I see over into the next valley, um, which is where Askrig is, somewhere I know relatively well from all my riding. It's the, the kind of, it was at the outer edge of my summer road rides. Those kind of 100 to 150K rides. 
in North Yorkshire. I can see this valley that I know really well. I recognize the hills. The fog and the rain that it had in the morning disappears. The sun comes out and suddenly I'm exactly back to where I was on that first day. Back to where I know, really, really enjoying it. Despite the terrain being pretty savage, um, hilly, rough. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of that, at that point I'm exactly where I want to be really enjoying it and just taking taking in the view taking in the smells the sounds and just being present in a way that that I rarely am when I'm you know doing the the day to day and the desk job and then that that continued for pretty much the whole day because after there, you, you do this huge climb out of whores, which again, um, I know relatively well. Quite a long way through the day now. Not too sure what the time is, but we're at the uh, Dales Divide's highest point. I think like 600 meters up. Uh, just crossed. I think Buttersubs Pass, I think that's the name, forgotten which one, I think Buttersubs, I can't remember, but, oh, some motorbikes. Just kind of climbed up this long, long byway with like uh, some off-road motorbikes and four by fours on up to 600 meters and kind of stunning views all around. I can see Ingleborough and Pennigent to my left, passing those two days ago now. And it's starting to feel like the beginning of the end. My knee is really quite sore, but we've got 60K to go and at least a decent chunk of that's downhill now. I mean, there's some short, sharp kicks in there, but I've got 600 meters to lose, so hopefully slightly easier. And uh, to be honest, I'd take this kind of high moorland gravel over some of the flat, flat tarmac any day. It's definitely what I prefer. This is kind of where I feel most at home riding and kind of, I can just switch off and turn the pedals, I absolutely love it. Kind of no boredom or clock watching, it's just, it's just been like miles and miles of stunning moorland terrain. And the, uh, the weather's backed off a little bit as well. It was raining a bit this morning, but now the uh, sun's not quite out, but nice and warm at least. Yeah, beginning of the end. The end is in sight. Hopefully my knee will make it. We've done the big climb, it was all rideable. Nearly at the end. And you wiggle over the fells before having a huge descent into Dent down the coal road again. Back on roads I know. And then from Dent, I guess that section, it's probably about 50k to go, kind of in that, having that double-edged 
double-edged sword of the the last 50 60k of the ride on the one hand i'm like oh, just get this over with i know where i am i know these trails let's just get through it <clears throat> get finished on the other hand and, and you know that part of my brain is like at this point my saddle sores are, are really irritating my knee's quite painful my wrist hurts you know everything's just like it's like being it's just like being poked <clears throat> it's just like incredibly frustrating it's like get this over with but then on the other hand I'm like this has been such an amazing three days like I've been you just, just so overstimulated and so much going on that there's no room for any other thinking um, well I say that I, I also have lots of ideas that pop into my head on the bike and I'm constantly typing little notes to make sure I don't forget them but that's an aside as a you know in general it's kind of this emptiness or maybe what I mean is there's not the day-to-day -day distractions so I have the emptiness and the clarity to have all these random thoughts that never have time to kind of come to the front of my mind in the normal day-to-day -day. so not quite emptiness like uh, nothing's going on in my brain but no day-to-day -day distractions and it's and then yeah it's coming to an end and you're looking at this last 50 or 60k like ah oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for it to end body body aside my body was absolutely ready for it to end but there's this little tinge of like oh back to reality pretty soon um, and eventually reality came it was like that's also one of the things I love about these events you kind of just roll into the finish and there's maybe a couple of other races round uh, some who've just finished some who finished hours ago and have had a shower and are just kind of like hobbling around town um, looking for people coming in but th there's no fanfare there's no there's no like finishers medal there's no like oh well done you did it you just kind of arrive with your own satisfaction and I think that's what I really like about these events there's very this had very little entry fee it was just a small charitable donation and yeah there's no I, I guess it comes back to that part of the reason I entered it and wanted to do it in one and also part of the reason I didn't end up doing it in one is that there's nothing to prove there's nothing to you know there's no external validation from from these races except maybe if you're winning it you know it, it gets a bit of interest but there's no prize money there's no fanfare it's just kind of once you're at that finish line you're just with yourself and with your own achievement and, and not really anything else so yeah it was it was such a nice way to finish sun coming down over our side made it a couple of hours before sunset kind of everything everything that I wanted and then within 10 minutes back in the car and and, and the race is done uh, certainly slept well certainly slept well that night and that was my Dale's Divide I hope you enjoyed listening I'm not sure where in the podcast I'm going to edit some of these little audio clips but I hope you enjoyed them I guess it's a new style of podcast so do let me know what you think give it a rating wherever you're listening to it and tune in for more stories tomorrow <laughs>